Well, there's something about a name that strikes each one of us. Really, we see a lot of evidence of that in the Old Testament where names are formed, spoken of, meanings given to, and we see that in the New Testament as well. Uh, when Tiffany and I, even before we uh, had thought about having kids, uh, began to think, what names could we give our kids? And so um, after she became pregnant with Tiran, we threw around a whole bunch of different names, didn't exactly know what to do there. And, and then I think it was Tiffany as we were walking, or maybe it was me, she just gave me the look like, I don't know what you're about to say, said, um, what if we use the first two letters of my name, T-I, and the last three letters of your name, R-I-N, Tiran. So thus the name of Tiran was formed. Was I the one who came up with that? Okay, fantastic. That was me. Yes. <laughs> Victory in Jesus today. Okay, all right. <laughs> then came Ethan. Uh, this was a little bit more challenging and difficult. Uh, Tiffany came up with 10 names from looking in books and looking on the internet and looking through the Bible and trying to decide. And she said, okay, Darren, here are 10 names. You pick one. No pressure, right? So we came up with Ethan. I picked that from the name list that she had. And then, of course, Braden came 2014, and uh, we found out actually Christmas Eve that Braden was to be a boy. Uh, before that, we had told Tiran, you can pick a girl's name for the next baby, and, and uh, Ethan, you can pick a boy's name, and then whichever gender it is, boy or girl, you're going to get bragging rights for the rest of your life because we're taking it. And so obviously a boy, Ethan named his brother, uh, even though Braden doesn't really get that yet, he will one day and Ethan will always have that on him. Names are important. Uh, with those names, each obviously has a meaning and we actually selected scripture verses uh, for each of our kids. In Old Testament and New Testament, there's evidence of when a name was given and a characteristic of God or something was associated with uh, what that name came to be in that individual's life. And so for Ethan, the verse we chose was Philemon 1.7. And if you know Ethan, you'll know this is absolutely true about his life. And so we know the Lord was in it. Uh, for I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you. Uh, that is a picture of who Ethan is. He refreshes the hearts of of the saints of all ages, and so we're grateful for that. You too, I am certain, uh, spent time giving your children, if you have kids' names, and I'm sure your parents uh, did as well, to give you a name of significance. Well, the name, of course, that is uh, the most beloved by us who are followers of Jesus is his name, Jesus. Hebrew name, Jeshua, or Yeshua, meaning Joshua, deliverer, rescuer, description of Jesus, bringer of salvation. And so when his name was identified in the Christmas scene where we consider Jesus being the baby, before that, of course, the angel identifying the name of Jesus to both Joseph and Mary, an individual encounters that they had with this angel, we are grateful for this deliverer. But the passage we're looking at, the fourth, of course, in our series of Four Witnesses of Christmas, uh, we'll point today to John being the forerunner, uh, the preparer of the one who would come and, of course, give us the opportunity, all of us, to be saved from our sin and to have a relationship with him. We see in the beginning in this verse 19 of chapter 1, again, and this is the testimony of John, when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? 
He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. So they said to him, who are you? We need to give an account or an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. So we see this John being questioned, who are you? People actually believing because thousands were flocking to him in the wilderness to determine who this man was. Leadership sending this delegation to find out exactly who he was. And of course, his response was, I am not the Christ. I'm merely the one who is preparing the way for the one who is to come. If they would have just waited or arrived one more day, they would have seen Jesus with John in the water. But of course, that was not the plan of God. So these individuals, this diplomatic group, went back and told their leaders, he is not the one, he is not the Christ. We see in verse 24 again, now they had been sent from the Pharisees, so they asked him, uh, continuing before they transitioned back home, why are you baptizing if you are neither the Christ nor Elijah nor the prophet? He answered, I baptize with water, But among you stands one you do not know, even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. So we see once again this picture of humility with this one, John the Baptist in the wilderness, professing the Messiah who was coming. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. It's interesting, uh, transitioning from that scene where he has this encounter or these questions were being asked as he was continuing to minister, continuing to baptize, continuing to proclaim who was coming. Verse 29, the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now that phrase or that characteristic of who Jesus was, the Lamb of God, was very foreign in language to those who were around him. Now we know 2,000 years later, looking back at the passage in Isaiah, of course, easily connecting the dots of this prophecy of the Messiah who would come, we now see uh, John proclaiming Lamb of God, probably not even recognizing or realizing what he was saying in his own mind and heart, describing this Messiah as the Lamb of God. As you know, if you've studied all Old Testament or New Testament, especially in the Gospels, they were looking for one to come and be the Savior. They thought, many, that he would overpower or overrule the governing authorities and basically take this political position where he eliminated this heavy Roman persecution, threat, and that he would actually be the savior or deliverer of them from their current circumstances and situations by being the savior, this Messiah who was to come. Now we know he did that, but just in a different way, not in the way that was expected. He, taking the sin of the world upon himself on the cross, being the one, being the savior, bringing salvation to those who would surrender their lives to him, He would be that justice for us, taking the judgment of sin upon himself in a different way than what was expected. So this this proclamation of here's this, this Lamb of God from John's mouth, again, somewhat foreign, even possibly to him. Verse 31, I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel 
And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. So this uh, prophecy uh, for us, once again, being able to make the connections, connecting the dots between Isaiah and this picture, Isaiah 53, 5 through 7, very clear to us. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like sheep that before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. And so we see Jesus who takes away the sins of the world. Of course, the night before being crucified, he went back and spent time in a Passover meal with uh, the disciples, which is not uncommon for that area, but this one in particular, uh, unique, different in that this was the night that Jesus would once again to the disciples in that small setting proclaim that he indeed was the Lamb of God, that his body would indeed be broken, that his blood indeed would be spilled, and that for the sins of not only the disciples, but for all who would ever walk the planet. And so this, this gracious movement, this gracious hand of God, this gift of salvation coming through one, undeniable. John, actually, in the midst of responding to those who were asking questions, said, obviously, my name is is not Christ. I'm not the Messiah. That is not a characteristic of who I am. Also, to find out who he was, what his name represented. John represents the term gracious, saying that gracious, the graciousness of God, not only to put him in a place where he could be the forerunner, but the graciousness of God to send one to take upon our sin on himself on the cross should be something that would, as a result from our lives, all who would come after produce such a gratitude and a depth of love in our lives that the very least that we can do in response after surrendering our lives is to give our lives to him, to allow him to be poured out like a drink offering in front of God, for him to use us in the ways that he would call, for him to empower us, to transform our very beings in every way, shape, and form, and for us to make a kingdom difference on this planet by proclaiming the gospel. The gospel, Jesus I want to spend a moment, normally we don't organize our services in this way, but I think it appropriate at this point, maybe it's been some time since you've just expressed from the depth of your heart gratitude to the Lord for what he's done in your life, praising him in the midst of what other circumstances you find yourself in, thanking him for the salvation, the saving work of Christ in your life, spending time. So I want you to take just a a minute or so, just where you're at personally, Anna, and thank the Lord uh, for who he is to you.